everyone. It is Friday, the 17th of June. Bit of a nasty end to a big week in the market. Henry, what have we got to blame? Uh, well, we've got to blame, unfortunately, Ben, the usual problem, especially in the US, where the recession uh, fears came home to roost again last night. We saw the Bank of England raise rates by 25 basis points. The Swiss National Bank also unexpectedly raised rates by 50 basis points. But to put that in some context, they are still negative. So even though they raised them by half percent, they are still negative in Switzerland. But it didn't stop the Dow falling 741 points or 2 0.4%. We saw the NASDAQ absolutely crater down 4.1%, the S&P down 3.2%, and the VIX index, as you would imagine, with all this nastiness, was up 11.2%, back up to 33. So no good news really around the place. The only two things that were up last night were the oil price, which was up around 1.1%, and the gold price, which benefited from the lower US dollar. Uh, that was up 1.7%. So there was some uh, green on screen in terms of commodities. The rest of it was uh, pretty much nastiness across the board, base metals suffering and miners in international terms also suffering as well. So nothing very good to come of it. The SPY was showing down 135, but it has changed over as well, just to put people in uh, the picture. We're now the September contract, so that changes the fair value, but uh, our market is uh, down more than the SPY. I'll let uh, Tom update with the market, but it certainly is not a good end to the week. Bank of Japan in focus today as well, but uh, hard to see what the nexus is to break this cycle of negativity. Certainly is. Thank you, Henry. Tom, how bad is the damage today locally? Thank you, Ben, well, when I wrote my notes, the ASX 200 was down 150 points in another big day of selling. Gold stocks are the only bright spot. Evolution EVN up 3%, Northern Star up 2.7%. Investors looking for those safe haven assets. Tech and consumer discretionary names the worst performers. Block SQ2 down 7%, Zero down 4%. The big four banks all losing ground. CBA off 3%. In corporate news, Link is up. 0.6% after reaffirming guidance, Bubs up 3% after upgrading guidance, and HUM, H-U-M, is down 8% as the sale of its consumer finance business to Latitude is axed. We also have Sierra down a little bit, a lifted uh, suspension on one of their transport routes after an insurgent attack the other week. Nothing on the economic calendar in the US tonight. We have Jerome Powell speaking, and I'll just signpost some things for next week. RBA minutes and Philip low due to speak. They're about as exciting as it gets. We also have Jerome Powell speaking again, China loan prime rate decision on Monday and UK inflation data as well. Thank you, Tom. Not many places to hide at all today, is there? No. Layden, anything uh, more inspiring out of the brokers today? Oh, thank oh, no, you. I'm not sure the broker stuff is relevant at the moment. It's just, <laughs> there are times when the market just dominates all and uh, brokers can say what they like. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely. Any, anyway, what are they saying? Definitely sounds like that at the moment. Put a few upgrades and downgrades there to go through. UBS has upgraded Evolution Mining to a buy and then put a target price of $4.05, which implies about a 16% upside. Got Genworth Mortgage Insurance, that's GMA, has been downgraded to underperform at Macquarie. The target price has dropped 44% to $1.95, which implies downside of 18%. GUD Holdings, that's GUD is the code for that one, downgraded to neutral at City, and the target price drops to $9.95. 
from $15.60, which is just about in line with the current share price. And the last one, Smart Group Corp, that's SIQ, is downgraded to neutral at Credit Suisse and the target price dropped 21% to $7.05, which implies around a 10% upside. Thanks, Ben. Nice work. Thank you. Leighton, Chris, what have you, have you got for us in trading today? Thank you, Ben. This morning, I'm taking a look at Metcash under the heading, not all defensives are created equal. So Metcash, of course, has... IGA supermarkets in, and in the hierarchy of supermarkets, they are third in line behind Woolworths and Coles. During the pandemic, uh, Metcash enjoyed somewhat of a renaissance as people stayed close to home and shopped locally. But now that we're post-COVID, it's strongly expected that the market share gains that Metcash enjoyed will recede. Could be even more pronounced as well because with inflation on the rise uh, and interest rates on the rise, people are more price conscious uh, and generally the bigger boys have the ability to lower prices more effectively than the IGA stores that Metcash looks after. Uh, it's all reflected in the chart. It's breaking down and the losses that Metcash has seen recently have been far more pronounced than Woolworths and Coles. So like I said, not all defensives are created equal. And if you're looking for somewhere to hide, as always, make sure that you're selecting the best of the best. Uh, as for the webinar that I'm running next Wednesday, there's already been a, a, a fantastic response and a lot of people registering and just interesting looking at the stock codes. There's uh, people who want me to cover big caps, small caps and everything in between. So I'll pick the 10 most popular or the 10 most interesting and we'll have a, a good conversation. Very nice thing, Chris. And you're, uh, you're in a suit today because you were on TV this morning. So that'll be up here shortly, I'm assuming. It will be, yes. Very nice. Thank you, Christopher. Henry, what's happening in Henry's take? Well, it's a it's a miserable old day today, I have to say. And really and truly, there's um, you know the same old, same old is uh, pretty much prevalent in terms of the market. Uh, there's more false bottoms than the Kardashian at the moment happening. So um, that is not a good sign in the market. And just, you know, we talked yesterday about in the podcast about what would the sign be for the bottom. And maybe that sign for me is becoming Kathy Wood getting bearish and throwing the towel in because clearly... Um, we are suffering at the moment and there's so many negatives going against us which is um, hard to fight against but um, a few things happening in one or two of the stocks that we're long of in the small cap portfolio um, some good some bad and uh, there was a very interesting article today apart from the smoke detector there was a very interesting article today in the Sydney Morning Herald about crypto and DeFi which is decentralized finance and the risk that it poses to the economy which the professor Hillary Allen compared to the sort of leverage that some companies had before the GFC with off-balance sheet exposure. So um, it's an interesting little article. If you want to scare yourself silly, there is a link in my stuff today for that article. It does give you food for thought. The media does spend a lot of time focusing on crypto at the moment. I even sent an email to um, my mate at CNBC, Steve Sedgwick, saying, hey, you know, why are we spending so much time of your show looking at crypto? Maybe part of that is the answer from Professor Allen is it does pose a bit of a risk. And if you look at Block or square or whatever you want to call it um, it's had an absolute disaster and uh, you know it's now it should be called buy now pain later as opposed to anything else so yeah that's about it from me today I'm afraid Benjamin nice work anyway as always though Henry thank you for that Marcus what have you got for us yes thanks Ben it's all going to hell again as the non-Europeans start to aggressively raise rates as well and this is uh, important because this is the, the European Union and the European Central Bank is descending once again into dysfunction. 
the ECB's way behind the curve, policies being run by a committee and the infighting that almost dismantled the EU in 2011 is returning again. Uh, European disarray is a big risk, as I wrote earlier this week. This could blow up into Greek crisis number two, although, as Henry says, it'll probably be Italian crisis this time. So we have that going on as a fairly new risk this week. And the other risk, of course, is that Europe, on the evidence of Switzerland and the UK overnight raising rates, I don't think the UK rise was particularly surprising at all. 25 basis points, sixth rise they've had since December. So that wasn't a surprise. But the Swiss raising rates for the first time in 15 years and by 50 basis points, admittedly, as Henry says, from negative to uh, slightly less negative, doesn't really matter that much. But the new fear is that Europe is going to go into recession, obviously not helped by the energy crisis, of course. And you saw that in the UK overnight market down 3.14%. In the strategy piece, I have the 10-year bond yields or the charts of the 10-year bond yields for Switzerland, Britain, and also the oil price, all of which are still going up rapidly. And that sort of kills off any chance of a bounce uh, today, obviously. Uh, The good news is that the strategy portfolio and the ideas portfolio is effectively in cash. The only game at the moment is spotting the bottom. So if you go to the strategy piece, I have written about how to spot the bottom. And I won't run through it all, but I've highlighted some of the things that we're going to see when the bottom arrives. And as I say, this is the only game in town at the moment if you're in cash. And I think it will start with a very big night on Wall Street. Corrections start fast and so do the reversals as well. And pivot points and trend reversals in equity indices always start with a very big index move in one night. So the first thing that will alert you to turn your screens on and have a look whether it's worth buying anything, I think will be a 3 to 6% jump in the US market. I don't see it as coming anytime soon. The risks at the moment are quite ingrained and the risks I've listed include inflation that hasn't peaked, central banks getting more aggressive, not less aggressive, Europe emerging as significant risk, China's COVID policies extending supply chain issues, Russian conflicts showing no signs of ending, the energy prices are becoming critical in some if not all countries, interest rates and energy prices are now threatening growth. We are coming off the top of the global economic cycle anyway. And now we're talking about recession in the US and recession in Europe. As they say in Top Gun, it's not good. It's not good. The markets are in trouble. They're in a flat spin heading out to sea. So golf looking good at the moment. And as I say, I think the day the market bottoms will be marked with a very big day on Wall Street. You'll also see a very obvious peak in the VIX, the VIX volatility index, which exaggerates market movements and you are supposed to buy at peak fear, buy when others are fearful. The VIX shows that the best. And we also need to see bond yields decisively peak as well. That will be a sign that one of the major issues, which is inflation, fear and interest rates have come off the top. And you also want to see the gap open up between two-year and 10-year bond yields. At the moment, of course, the risk is they invert, but you want to see the 10-year yield getting much higher than the two-year yield. And you want to see as well within the sectors, some of the defensive sectors getting left behind and some of the sentiment-driven, cyclical, technology, consumer-facing stocks suddenly doing better. So there will be a few signs at the bottom. You will see it. 
it, for it to be sustained, there has to be a macro improvement at the same time. Otherwise, it's just a quick sentiment bounce, as we've seen this week. So we, you would look for some sort of macro improvement. But the truth is, you're not going to time the bottom of the market by reading macro crap, as I call it. Uh, there will be some macro thing that drives the market, but you'll see it most obviously in the charts. So waiting for those sort of indicators to turn the corner. And as I say, I don't think it's yet. I have uh, written today as well, what could cause the pivot point? And I think one out of, uh, uh, it's not left field, but one that no one seems to be talking about that really could put an end to this is an end to the Russian conflict. Because if that happened, you'd see energy prices immediately top out and inflation fears disappear. Uh, watch out, of course, for the energy sector collapsing. But that is one thing that could suddenly happen miraculously and begin to end what we are seeing at the moment. And some other event could cause a sharp fall in the oil price. Russia's not really relevant, except for its impact on the energy sector. So anything else, maybe OPEC could do something, or the US or Europe, or maybe abandoning sanctions against Russia, for instance, could bottom the whole market because the energy price would come off. China changing its COVID policy, maybe. Half of the problems are coming from supply chain issues. And they could abruptly uh, adopt a policy similar to Australia's. It took, took us, particularly took Melbourne, a heck of a long time to work out you cannot go COVID zero. And maybe the Chinese will suddenly wake up to that one day. That could improve things. A surprisingly good CPI number, obviously, uh, the evidence that CPI has peaked. A good US GDP number, maybe, or some message from a central bank, particularly the FOMC, uh, that in their opinion, inflation and interest rates have peaked. So there are all sorts of possible catalysts for a pivot point. None of them are in sight at the moment. And you'll also see in the strategy piece, what stocks would you buy? I needn't really mention them. They're obvious. Technology, cyclicals, no earnings, good story, stocks, interest rate sensitive stocks, smaller companies, hot sectors, lithium, uranium. It's not going to be value quality, long-term buying that, that people do to start with. It's going to be punting. And those are the stocks that you uh, punt in. Uh, the good news is the market doesn't crash up, only crashes down, it takes three times as long to build confidence as it does to lose it. So you will have time to buy more time than you do when the market comes off the top. Uh, corrections always are shorter and faster than bull markets. So you can buy slow. So there's no great need for you to be vigilantly watching uh, do it at your own pace. You don't have to catch the bottom when the big pivot points arrive. There'll be plenty of time and upside uh, for those who want to take their time and get more convinced. And that is probably it from me. If you are worrying about when the bottom is coming, you don't need to do your own analysis. All you've got to do, of course, is read Marcus today because we're going to be on it all day, every day for you. Thanks for that, Marcus. Chris, got a bit of a different question of the day for us, please, today. We do have a slightly different question. The question of the day is what is your most and least favorite sports tom we'll start with you my least favorite i'm going to take this from the perspective of watching and my least favorite sport to watch is motorsport i don't find it very exciting at all and Thomas, no they're just going that? they're going around in a circle i, you've I, I can do that in never, my car you've obviously never watched drive to survive then. i i actually have it's changed my perspective a little bit but still don't find it very exciting and my the sport that i most enjoy watching 
thing is AFL. Leighton, over to you. Similar on the most enjoyment from AFL, but also NBA is really close second, I think. My least favourite, I never got into it as a kid, is wrestling. It's never part of the wrestling. But it's so realistic, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Henry, what about you? I used to love watching the wrestling, especially in the UK. It was just so fantastic. Big Daddy and all those people. It was brilliant. (laughs) I even used to go to them live and yell at the people. It was fantastic fun watching the old ladies and and yelling at the uh, the people in the ring. Uh, My favourite sport is the one that I played uh, for the last 18 or so years, only giving up in the last two years, is football, soccer, to those that aren't familiar with the term. But football... Uh, the round ball game is certainly my most favourite to play, although I did play a lot of rugby in my youth, but it's just too tough on an older body, although football is uh, pretty tough on an old body as well. Um, as far as least favourite goes, oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Greco-Roman wrestling's up there. Um, gymnastics, <laughs> probably one of those. But um, yeah, there's. Um, I, I do like all sports, really, but I'm not a big fan of watching them on telly, I must admit. Fair enough. Marcus, how about you? Well, I love a lot of sports i love uh, as with henry i used to watch big daddy i love boxing uh f1 and soccer uh, but rugby union would be top of the list my least favorite sport i have to tell you despite being a black belt in karate myself is i was always very disappointed watching karate and taekwondo any martial arts in and judo in particular on telly because it is it it sounds like it'll be good won't it but it's not it's terrible uh, trying to score a point in a sort of lucky roundhouse rolly way i mean for god's sake somebody hit somebody <laughs> so uh, yeah it's very disappointed with martial arts despite having done it myself i have hit a few people i have to say in martial arts it's a lot better than it is on telly <laughs> i absolutely decked a guy once by giving him a backhand punch to the ear and you know how your ear pops and it's sort of he's bobbed yeah his he went down like a ton of bricks <laughs> It was quite amazing. This this is quite good fun. Never seen that one, Tell. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Rounding it out for me, uh, from the perspective of watching like Tom, I like the NFL these days and I don't like watching tennis. Uh, But that's it for me. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Henry.